1: everybody and welcome back to circling seattle sports on converge media bella's back in case you can't see again. here um <laughs> once again yes we have man i don't know i think we talked about it the last few weeks seahawks not doing too well All last week uh the mixed week of beating denver on monday night and then getting throttled by the 49ers on the road mm-hmm. the mariners dealing with a decent amount of injuries to an extent the sounders they they flair for the dramatic i would say we went over the storm season recap last week the rain faced a treacherous road trip Kraken training camp is currently taking place mm-hmm. so you know trying to get back into the group things because there's a point in time where it's like oh everyone's kind of firing on all cylinders and then to an extent we kind of slowed down so with that all being Sad. said um if you saw it i made a little thing here before the episode went live, made a little post. We were going to do some ticket giveaways to a couple Ooh. events happening um, over the course of this next week. Um, mostly this weekend, but that'll be unveiled as the episode goes on. So if you saw that post and you're here for that, got to tune into the show. Um, diving into things, uh, tough, tough matchup. CX come back home after, again, that throttling on the road down in Levi's Stadium. And, I mean, they came out pretty decent but things didn't really end as they'd hoped for. Belle, as we look over to our Seahawks segment.
2: Um, Yesterday on September 25th, of course, it was a battle of the birds. (laughs) The Hawks played the Falcons, and unfortunately – they had a chance at the end there and they just couldn't come up with anything. So they lost that one 27 to 23. We have some offensive players of the game here. Um, I went with Tyler Lockett. And of course there were some like flashier plays on offense. DK Metcalf down. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just like the consistency of Tyler Lockett. He was nine for 11 and ranked, Got 76 yards, a total of 76 yards. So I just think consistency is going to be important for this team. And Tyler Lockett has proven to do that as one of our captains. That
1: That's a good point. That's a very good point. That consistency. Uh, I, He's not necessarily consistent. I mean, he's been pretty solid yeah. since the the la- later part of last season. I went with Rashad Penny. Um, I mean, I'm not typically a guy that's like, you see those posts. It's like, uh, who's got the best drip? Uniform-wise, or who who looks at the black gloves and the black tape? I was like, oh, who's this guy running (laughs) the rock? (laughs) I I thought he looked good. Uh, But, I mean, 66 yards rushing. Early on, it looked like Seattle moved the ball relatively well, and there was a play that got called back because of penalty late in that game that actually Geno Smith threw the interception on fourth and, like, 25 or something. something. Yeah. Yeah. It was fourth and decently long. Uh, but there was, a, I believe it was a screenplay where Rashad broke it down like within the 10, and I was like, oh, shoot, they're going to do it. And then it gets called back because of a holding. Um, so I thought worst. he had a good game, but you make a good, really good point, especially now that he is wearing the captain's C on his chest. Uh, Tyler Lockett's been a guy that's even before this year, just yeah, consistently, whether the offense is in a rut you know, Tyler Lockett's always a guy that's been a solid receiver and he still gets disrespected. I saw some TikTok channel where, don't get me wrong, Amon Ross (laughs) St. Brown is having a great year so far, Yeah. but to think that he's better than Tyler Lockett, you know, it's just ridiculous to me. And they're just like, oh, easy, Tyler Lockett. I'm like, the disrespect for Tyler Lockett goes too far sometimes. It does. Not even sometimes. More often than normal. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a really solid pick there. And then we didn't necessarily disagree on the defensive side of the ball. The defense had a tough day yesterday. They did. Way too often. It seemed like guys were breaking open. There was just like no uh, no resistance in a, in a sense. But this guy continues to make an impact, as you highlighted.
2: Yeah. So last week, unfortunately, I wasn't here to speak on it, but he, ver- he stood out to me on defense last week as well with that block field goal that turned into, um, a touchdown for Michael Jackson. And this week he went ahead, had like you detailed here, one pass deflection and an interception. So, I mean, again, with consistency, like if you can come out and do this every week and apply pressure every week, then you'd be a solid guy.
1: it's tough with the cornerback room because if we look at the inactives here we'll just go over to the inactives there's three corner three veteran cornerbacks on the inactives list game day inactive that's not ideal and i know that you know woolen is a guy that you know coming into this season has been viewed as like a raw talent he's going to be a guy that needs to be molded like a couple of uh products in the defensive back room for Pete carroll over the years Mm -hmm. um but i think he's i mean you make plays that's all that really matters that's how you get noticed especially in games like this. Uh, I know that the interception came before the half and such, but, I mean, making that big play against the 49ers to really help get you the only points you score in that game. literally <laughs> Showing up, showing up, and, and, again, finding ways to make plays throughout the week, whether it, you know, that's how some guys can really get started. So, uh, I mean, again, with with how difficult the the game was defensively, Mariota kind of did what he wanted. There was that one time where he fumbled on the read option, but I think outside that he had a pretty decent game. Yes. And he's had a decent year so far. They almost came. Atlanta almost came back against the Rams the week before this. So I don't think they're a bad team, but considering everything and how you were, you came out pretty decent offensively. I really right. thought you should have won this game. Uh, just self-inflicted stuff, and that's what happens to bad teams. I mean, I know you kind of ride right on the high of beating Denver on Monday night. It's an exciting game but then i talked to a few people um he- heading into the niners game it's like things are going to come back to reality to an extent and you're seeing that so you just you know bad teams if you can get good coaching out of it you can kind of work around it. i think that's what with atlanta they have a they have a poor roster yeah and they got coached well i think they coach their coaching staff does a great job of you know using what the, i mean cordero patterson has statistically has historically been a kick returner And now you see him gashing runs, great speed. Um, You know, they've got Kyle Pitts, Drake London. Yep. (laughs) And, you know, Marcus Mariota's been a kind of a journeyman. Uh, So they're using what they've got. And they did it well. They adjusted. You know, they were able – I mean, late in the game, I didn't see as much running the ball from Seattle, uh, not as well as they did in the first half. So, I mean, good teams adjust. So it's a tough one. But, again, when we look at this team, we're not expecting much anyway. So it's like some of these I'm not even as disappointed as I have been in past years, because when you're a playoff team, you're like, ah, you lose to a team where you've got a worse roster. I mean, the point was made though, that Seattle had like 400 yards of offense on 69 plays. Um, You did pretty decent on third down. You should win that game. Yeah. But because
2: over 300 again, didn't you? Yeah.
1: Gino had a pretty solid game. I mean, that interception at the end is fourth and 25. Mm -hmm. You got to throw the ball up. I understand that. Um. But it's just more so of the like the penalties and just stuff like that. And did the defense being ripped apart. It's it's you know, there are gonna be holes on bad teams and they were exploited. So I don't know, a tough one, but again, I'm not, you know. And now you got a probably tougher contest against the Detroit team that like we talked about before we started has some pretty solid talent.
2: Yeah, I think there are some good takeaways though from this loss. I mean, I saw a lot of our tight ends getting the ball and it just felt like it was distributed kind of evenly out there. So it's nice to see guys getting touches and then who knows, who knows who might like break out and have a good game. So uh, yeah.
1: And it it is well, we've got 14 games left to play in a long season. And I, I uh, that's something that I did think about. You go home and a lot of the headlines I saw from the Seahawks app or even the ESPN were, the tight end production, mm-hmm. and that was something I was looking into going into the season because you've got Noah Fant and Will Disley and Kobe Parkinson. Mm-hmm. All of them bring different things to the table. Parkinson's like six eight. Uh, Disley, I mean, the beginning of his career had some great uh, offensive performances. Really looked like a really mobile tight end, a guy who could run, uh, be a yards after catch kind of guy. And then he ruptured his patella tendon and kind yeah. of been a blocking guy. Noah Fant is a really athletic tight end, so they all bring different things. And it was weird because it felt like, not necessarily discrediting Russell, but before this year, you didn't see as much tight end production, which is interesting to me. And even with, go back to Jimmy Graham. When Seattle had Jimmy Graham, he wasn't really properly used until his last year in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you've got a guy who's basically, I remember he argued that he was a wide receiver when he was looking for a contract with New Orleans. He basically was a receiver. And you couldn't, no, no. Yeah. couldn't use them properly so it's just interesting to see this tight end production now and I, so i thought that was a good point yeah
2: yeah so hopefully they take some good things out of this very close loss um as we head into some injury news here i know that you reported on some of it here but um shelby harris was out justin coleman and joey blunt were doubtful and then questionable was Quandre diggs who sounded like looked good enough to play on friday and yeah so, he was good. Yeah. so Inactives, as we head over to some more here, um, Shelby Harris, Artie Burns, Justin Coleman, Sidney Jones, Joey Blunt, Jake Kernan, and Derek Young, and then injuries against Atlanta, Travis Homer bruises his ribs. Pete Carroll says that Homer did not break his ribs, but there are complications with the injury, so hopefully he's able to heal quite quickly there.
1: Um, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, I, I, I know I talked to you about it, but having Burns and Coleman out, yeah, again... Burns is a guy I was excited about last this off season because mm-hmm. he's got a little bit of history um, with some staff that Seattle brought in uh, Coleman had a career year in Seattle. He's been decent since then. But again, it's like, you can't have three of those guys in your cornerback room out. You can't, you just, it's really difficult. And you're getting banged up. Shelby Harris had a personal matter to attend to Um it's, it's just really it's really tough. I mean, getting banged up this early, Jamal Adams being out for the year. Right. N- not, not ideal, you know. Yeah. So to see all this happen is just pretty... It's unfortunate already considering that you're already facing uphill battle.
2: Yeah. You don't know what the potential of the team can be when you don't have your roster. So yeah. uh, moving on to some team notes here on September 20th, Gino Smith is going to trademark his quote, guys. They wrote me off. I ain't right back though. That will be trademarked by Geno Smith, and this is not a joke because I double checked with Chuck before we started this episode. <laughs> do
1: you Do you have some thoughts you'd like to share on that? I, I mean, I know, I know it's different, but NIL, you know, people are capitalizing off their likeness, and there was the whole last year, let Russ cook all those shirts. I see those in Goodwill nowadays. Uh, <laughs> Where they I, belong. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's always funny to like ride the emotion off of like moments like that. Like breaking does a good job with, uh, you know last year with the Mariners, Dylan Moore, the Mariners came back, uh, there was Sleepless in Seattle, It was a photo of Dylan Moore, yeah. there's Abraham Toro shirts, there's a Toro time, so I don't, I, don't, I don't know, what do you, just, it seems like a lot of people tried to ride the moment of something before it goes away, I feel like you already might be away from it now.
2: I completely agree, after these last two weeks, I think that we, I don't know <laughs> if it has very much validity there.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't buy a shirt, I'm sorry, Gina. I wouldn't buy the shirt. If, well, yeah.
2: I, <laughs> I always thought trademarking quotes was kind of interesting. But hey, Gino, do you, if you think that people are going to continue to write you off, then hey, this <laughs> might be a very accurate quote for you. So uh, moving on to the uh, September 21st, former safety cam chancellor listed as one of the 129 modern era nominees for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of. 2023 just some accolades here on cam he is a super bowl champion a two-time second team all pro four-time pro bowler 12 interceptions and nine forced fumbles on his career um obviously very deserving
1: it's it's a tough slope you know you look at that list of 129 that's a lot and you know, obviously, you can make it if you're not first ballot. You know, there are some guys on that list that I'm sure are first ballot. It, it's tough with the Hall of Fame because they're, you know, the criteria wherever. whatever. Um, it's like, did you change the game? If, if we're arguing it from that point, what legacy you left, Cam Chancellor, was a pretty impactful yeah. guy. You see guys like a Derwin James. Um, who are built like linebackers and are playing safety and are able to have that agility, have that sort of skill set at the safety position, be a real box guy. I mean, if, all you have to do is type in Cam Chancellor into YouTube and you can see what kind of guy he was what? blowing up offensive linemen, which isn't easy to do, but also, I mean, Super Bowl 48. <laughs> smacking the goofy out of Wes Welker and setting the tone for that game, but also being a guy who is like a silent leader in that Legion of Boom. All three of those prime Legion of Boom members brought their own thing. Earl Thomas was, I mean, Richard was kind of the mouthpiece, right? He was—he did the most talking. Earl did some here and there, but uh, Richard kind of, you know, all of those guys brought different things. Richard, tall, lanky cornerback. Very confident. Backed up his talk, helped in the run game pretty I mean I even in watching these games this year a lot of people have talked about you know cornerbacks trying to set the edge Richard Sherman like set some of the tone for that Earl Thomas might have been an undersized guy really range He could play like a center fielder Cam Chancellor built like a lot they all brought different things mm-hmm. Um if we're arguing for Cam's case I would certainly say to there's nobody really like him even Derwin James it's I, I think he's a solid safety but he's not Cam Chancellor Um it's, it's tough because you want to be unbiased about something like this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's first ballot, but I, I I think I would give him a yes, eventually reaching the Hall of Fame. I know some guys have had to wait years and years and years. Yes. I would hope that wouldn't have to happen. But you'd have to think some of those members from the Legion of Boom make it. Because, yeah. you know, you look at Richard and the way even, I don't want to say his name because he's a prisoner, but Brandon Browner, uh, Byron Maxwell, those guys, you know, changed the way that, referees call things I mean like the five yard rule for cornerbacks and wide receivers you couldn't bump and run like they did and that they used to and they changed that the NFL changed that you know wow. just so it's,
2: literally an impact to the game
1: yes that's what I'm trying to get at and yeah. I kind of mouth everywhere <laughs> about it but that's my point so I would think yes it just it probably won't be first ballot unfortunately you'd like to see that but there are some guys that if we could look at the list I'm sure but yeah I think he does make it
2: well, we'll be sure to notify you guys as soon as we know here. On the 22nd, some news on Jamal Adams. He had successful surgery to repair his torn quadricep tendon and is back home recovering. Of course, as we stated, he's out for the season. On his recovery, he will be greatly missed on the field. Um, we move on to some league news here. The league may force the Washington Commanders owner out. Multiple owners think consideration will be given to convincing Dan Snyder to sell the Washington Commanders or flat out removing him so also on more exciting super bowl news (laughs) and if you have missed rihanna like i have she teased a super bowl 2023 halftime show so it was actually announced that she would be doing the 2023 halftime show um but just her latest instagram feeds and uh, rumored it she had just i think her hands holding the it's literally her hand (laughs) holding the ball
1: it was really interesting to me because i when i was at uh, training camp for the kraken here over the past week it was like taylor swift was going to be the one who was headlining it and a a couple of media members were talking about it and i was like i have to admit i'm not someone who puts a lot of stake into the halftime show (laughs) i mean they're I, i mean i'll watch it but i know like There are Super Bowl parties where people like, I'm just here for the halftime show. Oh yeah. Okay, you know, make it a big deal. Um, I love Rihanna. I won't disagree with that. So I will take that over Taylor Swift. I won't lie. It's just really interesting to see how it was all like. It's always a spectacle each year when it's like trying to figure out who it's going to be. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I'm not mad at it.
2: I'm overjoyed. I've missed her. (laughs) Um, More news here regarding the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is being changed after being a consistent set of well the Pro Bowl game for since nineteen
1: fifty one. So in is- Hawaii for a long time has changed venues. They had the thing, I don't know if you remember it a few years ago where it was like Coach Prime versus Coach uh Michael Irvin and then Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and they had those ugly neon uniforms. <laughs> uh and they've tried to change things around and we've talked about the pro bowl here before we
2: have, yeah not very thrilled to watch it i don't yeah. even think we did tune in so no yeah i remember <laughs> that we, we ignored
1: it um yeah no it's just really interesting to see how the nfl's trying to you know draw some more ratings in and get more interest in it yeah. with what they're doing now
2: yeah so it is being renamed to the pro bowl games because it's going to be a week long of skills competitions Capped off by a flag football game that will take place on February fifth. Um, flag football—that was interesting <laughs> to me. It feels like a digression, but I could understand it for injury purposes.
1: Yeah, I know that it, it's tough because I remember. I think I think we were talking about it. The probably used to be hosted after the Super Bowl, so that the Super Bowl. Uh, participants could participate uh i remember before we started bell pretty loudly it was like flag football and this questioning tone. <laughs> i understand it i don't know if this is gonna help um the skills compet. some of the skills competitions are cool i will yeah. say like the accuracy stuff yeah. Flag football i don't care um the pro bowl games just kind of seems like it's like they're taking field day from middle school and making that's what it sounds yeah. like so i don't know i'm you know you look at the, like with baseball, baseball's got the home run derby. We turned into the home run derby after we recorded one of the shows here. Um, it's a dunk contest in the NBA. That's a hit. You know, now. the skills competitions. Like, I don't know. you The, the other all star competitions have their things. I remember in the NHL, they used to have goalie races where the goalie, mm-hmm. you see the, how big. But gear yeah. they would race the stop now because of injuries but you know stuff like that <laughs> there's things that you could tune into that there's nothing in the nfl that i really say oh i'm gonna tune in for this competition specifically yeah, sure. like we watched the, i would watch the home run derby even if julio wasn't in it yeah you know so you gotta find i don't have the answers to what makes the pro bowl games uh sure. watchable yeah but I'll, I'll give it a chance this year, see what it's about. Yeah. If they disappoint me. Uh,
2: I think that's probably why people will tune in, just to see what the difference is yes. from before. So um, we shift back over to our Seahawks here. They sit at a one and two record for the season currently. They are fourth in the NFC West. That well, number one standing short-lived, I'm sorry. It's like Gino's quote. <laughs> um, and then looking ahead, they will be playing on Sunday, October 2nd at the Detroit Lions. That is a 10 a.m. game.
1: Early morning and oof, I don't know. I don't feel too strongly about that game. But away from that now, we come back to our Mariners who probably would like to get away from any memory of their road trip that they just mm-hmm. went on, a 10-game road trip. Sure we talked about it even from last week to the week before that, because it's been such, it's been a 10 game road trip, man. It was not, not kind to our, our friends. So over the past week, you know, we record from Monday to Monday. Mm -hmm. So anything Monday night, we have to include the next show. Right. Um, September 19th at the Angels. So, a four game set. The Mariners lose the first three. They salvage game four in a nine to one win. Two players of the game here with a lot of offense. First baseman Ty France, two hits, two runs, and four RBIs, including a solo home run. And then Carlos Santana, Slam Tana, two hits, two runs, five RBIs, living up to the nickname of Slam Tana with a grand slam as well as a solo homer. Dang. So, Carlos continues to slam. Yeah. Uh, then. The Mariners head up to Oakland to take on the Athletics for a few games, a uh, three-game set to be exact. And things don't get much easier there. They lose the first two games. Uh, September 20th, four to one loss. Play of the game once again, Carlos Santana, one hit, and the only run for Seattle. And then September 21st at the Athletics, a two to one loss, a narrow two-game, uh, one-run loss. Put of the game, pinch hitter Luis Teren. So Luis, in his first game back from AAA, uh, in his first plate appearance, hits a solo homer. One hit, one run, one RBI, provides the only offense for Seattle there. another You can see I've complained about it essentially all year, the offensive inconsistency. You see the nine-run game and then back-to-back one-run games.
2: Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me, start, get me started with inconsistency because you're still moving on to what I thought was another very disappointing series.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, wrapping up the athletic series, Again, talk about the inconsistency, a 9-5 to win on the 22nd. Two players of the game there. Center feeder Jared Kelnick. Yes, Kelnick's back, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, two hits, two runs, two RBIs, and a walk. Second player of the game. This is for Liv. If oh, well, I'll just leave it at Our that.
2: Our photographer
1: Liv Lyons. Uh, second baseman Adam Frazier. Two hits, three RBIs, and four total bases. Can't argue with three RBIs, though. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, but, yes, he alerts the first few games of that season, that series salvage the last game, not exactly a decent recipe. And then as Bell mentioned, with the difficult series, head to Kansas. I mean, look at this. Anaheim, Oakland. Kansas City. Those are some of the worst teams in all of the American League, let alone baseball.
2: Those are teams that we were sitting here a couple of weeks ago saying these are likely going to turn yeah. out well. Yeah,
1: we were looking at this at the <laughs> beginning of September, even late August. And you're like, OK, it's tough right now because Baltimore's on a hot streak. Toronto and Tampa Bay are still hanging around. But those latter two teams are supposed to play each other a bunch and you should be able to take advantage of a bad schedule.
2: Right. Didn't. Happen that way?
1: No. Uh, <laughs> we look at this Royal series. September twenty third, a five to one loss. Again, the one run. Player of the game, catcher Cal Raleigh. Cal one hit, one RBI, and a uh, one run and one walk. September twenty fourth at the Royals, a six to five win. So they come back after being down. Cal Raleigh hits a pinch hit two run homer to finish his day. Two hits, one run through RBIs. Uh, hitter hits a double uh, off the wall to give the Mariners the go ahead run. Andres Munoz comes in and shuts it down. The Mariners get that win. So it's like, okay, you won the second game of the series. Maybe you could win the third game. Yeah.
2: And it looked that way for a while.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> September 25th at the Royals, a 13 to 12 loss. That's almost a football score. Player of the game, right fielder Mitch Hanniger, three hits, two runs, two RBIs. Uh, yeah, that September 25th game. The Mariners had an eight-run inning. I'm sitting there as a fan at the Seahawks game on Sunday. I'm like, "Oh, okay. I'll post the score later. I won't have to worry about the rest of that game." Uh, service is bad inside of Lumen Field, by the way. I it's like an hour later, and I look down at my phone, and the MLB notifications pop in, and yeah, I all wondered of sudden if sudden, didn't
2: get those. Then we're down. Yeah,
1: and I'm like, huh, huh. And it wasn't anger, it wasn't sadness, it was just more, again, disappointment, considering how rough this road trip has been. You know, you're now, as we've seen it go on a little scroller here, um, the Mariners go three and seven over the course of their 10 game road trip, like you said, should have been an easy one. I don't have answers for you. The pitching, which has carried this team for the longest time, has been hitting duds every once in a while here. And the offense does you no favor in terms of run support. So those two together, those two negatives don't make a positive. This isn't math. (laughs) Uh, Well, not that kind of math, at least. And it's been really unfortunate. I know technically the Mariners still have really high playoff chances and should essentially break that drought. We'll get to that being official probably next week. But regardless, now it's not necessarily at this point in the season, you know, I know that we should just be grateful for having the drought end. But at the same time, knowing that you can take the number one wildcard spot, host three games at home in front of raucous crowds in front of the city that's been starved for that, knowing that you've got that opportunity and it's like slipping away and you're just kind of like, eh. yeah. after the 6-5 to five win against the Royal J.P. Crawford's like, you know, we've got a pretty good group. We're like in a good spot mentally, despite what social media says because of the road trip. You know, we're good in here. And then that happened. I was a little, what I was upset about after that loss wasn't necessarily the 11 run inning that you, they, gave, they gave up, was the fact that that comment was made. It was like, oh yeah, we're good.
2: Are you? What the hell was that? Yeah.
1: I know Scott Service said that after that game, that horrific loss, they had a team meeting. You should, you have to hold yourself accountable for a really, really ugly um, loss and an ugly road trip you know now we look at this upcoming homestand and you play against some of the worst teams in the american league does it matter i don't know if it matters because with the way you've been playing i don't think it you know matters if you've got certain guys even with suarez and julio out you should be winning these games yeah you know considering the roster you're playing who whoever the hell oakland is fighting in the stadium to play their games the royals I mean you look at some of the pitching matchups that we post you think wow okay um you you've had offensive inconsistency issues all year that's on the hitting coach um so he should be out after this year regardless of what happens uh you know the pitching all year has carried you so for them to hit a a couple lumps i'm not going to be upset about because they've been your driving force but it's it's really frustrating to see all this um but now you've, they've got the off day today, and you've got to flush it before tomorrow against the Rangers. Um, and I, I won't I'll, – I'll, we'll take a second here to take a breather because it's all anger. But tomorrow, <laughs> before the Mariners take on the Rangers at T-Mobile Park, um, I'm sure if you follow – we're on the converged platforms, obviously, so I'm sure you've seen it by now. But if you haven't, uh, Baseball Beyond Borders, the Reconciliation Tour, um, I believe the film is – uh premiering tomorrow at timo park i i think limited tickets are available um so we're going to play that trailer right now and and take a minute to decompress from the anger of that road trip
0: baseball is a beautiful game especially when played in community Earlier this summer, Baseball Beyond Borders took a powerful, eye-opening journey through the heart of the South, which included baseball, civil rights, and reconciliation. Our young kings hosted a baseball clinic at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, and hit the road to Montgomery, Alabama, by way of the historic Edmund Pettus Bridge, to visit the Equal Justice Initiative Museum and Memorial all in an effort to ground our kings in their history and find serenity in the sport they love to preserve the cultural legacy. Join Baseball Beyond Borders on September 27th for the premiere of our film Reconciliation Tour at T-Mobile Park's Alice Pavilion from 3 to 5 p.m. Hear from those on the front line as well as special guests as we elevate our promise to bring healing through play. For tickets or to donate, visit BaseballBeyond.org or check our social media platforms.
1: That'll be a pretty special film and excited to just see it. I won't be there at T-Mobile Park tomorrow a friend over here will be there. So, uh, it will, I'm sure people have already commented on some of the, the trailers. Sorry, I lost the word there, but I know they will be there in attendance. That should be really fun to mm-hmm. see that having, you know, going, hearing from some of the people who were down uh, on that tour, you know, knowing that Dan Wilson was there and the moments that were shared there, it's, it's it seems like yeah. it's just really special and a really well put together trailer. So you can only imagine what the actual film itself will be like. So excited to see that take place. That's tomorrow, September 27th, uh, Ellis Pavilion. If you don't have tickets, you, there might be some available still. Um, but regardless, I know the Converge will have that available, uh, that film uh, as a whole uh, coming soon. Mm-hmm. So we look over to Players of the Week here. Um is a tough week. And again, with the frustration of that road trip, it's like, do you want to give anybody?
2: No. <laughs> I was hard. I went
1: the Bell, Bell went with the tough love <laughs> route. I went with Jared Kellnick just considering how he's been since coming up. Um, 16 plate appearances, 6 hits, 5 runs, 3 doubles, 1 homer, 2 RBIs, 12 total bases, 2 walks, a 375 batting average, a 444 on base percentage, a whopping 750 slugging percentage. I mean, 3 doubles. God. And at 1.194 OPS, the Jared Kalanick situation is very tough because uh, there's been a lot of criticism on him, you know, with, considering that he traditionally is a center fielder uh, and you've got Julio and the emergence of Julio Rodriguez. Um, there's the comparisons. There's the expectation with him being a really highly touted prospect from the Mets in that trade that sent Robbie Cano and Edwin Diaz over. Um there's really high expectations for Jared Kelnick. We've talked about this throughout the year. He is 23 years old. Baseball prime is until 27. And last, the same sort of thing happened last year. He made his debut last year, struggled. I, like his first hit was a homer. I think he had a two homer game, um, but he kind of struggled until he hit September. And then September, Jared Kelnick was something else. It was like, <laughs> whoa. Because he's had trouble with his batting stance, he kind of changes it up too much. Mm-hmm, it's like, why mm-hmm. are you, why are you changing it? Just relax. Stay. Yeah, stay, <laughs> right? And I mean, it's September. Jared Kelnick again. He's back and he's doing stuff like that. He's contributing. Uh, I joked with my my dad and a friend of mine is like, they joked like he's joke, like, he going to be the savior, and he's really been helpful. I don't know if savior is the word, but he's been a contributing member of this team. Trust me. I like Jay Lamb. He's a Husky. But there, he shouldn't have been kept likely over Jared. Yeah. Um, he's worked great at bats, and that's what people want to see: is better at bats. It Doesn't have to be a homer every time. It's want to be just a better overall approach. And I have rooted for Jared the entire time. You know, some to. of the stuff's been frustrating. Uh, you know, it gets people like, oh, he's way too uptight. But there are a lot of expectations around him. So I've been told I've been uptight in the past. i tried to work on that so i can see where he's going with that (laughs) um but i i I don't like closing the door on this guy just yet no and i agree you know i know that the the run last year meant a lot to him um obviously meant a lot to a lot of people but for him to be involved in that is special and you know if you look that last game where kyle Seeger retired but they showed the dugout and jared you know because the mariners uh, they lost that game regardless, but once they find out that there's no playoffs, he, you, there's a video of him in the dugout just weeping in general tears. I know this means a lot to him. So for him to be back with I'm the big league this. club, to be contributing, that's it's awesome. It's really awesome. So I just really hope that he can continue this and really continue to um, contribute to this ball club. So,
2: Did you see the uh, comparison in his attitude? to uh Kawhi Leonard
1: (laughs) I mean if it works like Kawhi Leonard's uh career track go ahead man I don't care
2: I just think people are gonna have something to say all the time and so he's doing well and so now you're gonna criticize the way he's
1: celebrating or not
2: celebrating that's
1: a good point I think that's a really good point it's like some people with some players there's just always something to pick apart so that's I think that's a good good thing to mention uh speaking of good things well they're good now as I read this it won't be as good Um, for injury related news on the 22nd, Julio Rodriguez left the game against the athletics with lower back tightness. So he continues to struggle with lower back issues on the 23rd, Julio was placed on the 10 day injured list with a lower back strain. Uh, Once those 10 days are up, he can play uh, the last few games of the regular season against Detroit. Um, and we'll get to some updates on that. And then on the 25th of September, Jesse Winker left the game against the Royals with a left wrist bruise. He was hit by a pitch and actually drove a run in. he had to leave that game with a bruise. So I uh, haven't got anything official yet on Winker there. And, you know, obviously follow us on social media. We'll update you as soon as we can on that. As Matt dropped the helpful little, oh, I'm going the wrong way. I'm always struggling with the mirrored side of things right there. <laughs> social media uh we look over to team related news on the 21st you know with Jared being back comes roster moves of course. so four moves happened uh the yeah, team recalled outfielder Jared Kelnick from Triple A Tacoma as well as catcher Luis Torrens was selected from Triple A Tacoma with uh catcher Kurt Casale going on paternity leave so wow. good for that
2: Congrats to him.
1: outfielder Taylor Trammell was optioned to Triple A Tacoma and infielder slash outfielder Jake Lamb was designated for assignment on the 23rd, though, Tremel would be recalled from AAA Tacoma with the injury to Julio Rodriguez, yes. so Taylor didn't go very far. Um, yes, so it's it's nice to see both Jared and Luis uh, performing well again. I have to admit, Kurt Casale has been a little bit of a disappointment as a trade deadline acquisition just hasn't really produced what you'd hope for as a backup catcher, and maybe Luis will take those reins from him. Um on the twenty fourth, more sort of good news. Uh, the team officially extended uh, right-handed pitcher Luis Castillo on a five-year deal, pretty similar to Robbie Ray's deal. Seattle That's extends their damn
2: time. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I know
1: people have been waiting for this. Uh, Seattle extends their ace, which they acquired at the trade deadline, on a five-year, hundred and eight million dollars. Uh, the deal has a six-year vesting option that can take it up to one hundred thirty-three million. Essentially, border uh, basic wise, what that means is if he performs well, option. If he performs less, a uh, poor, worse of an option. <laughs> um, the deal begins this upcoming year and runs through the year of 2027 with a player and club options for the 2028 season. If you've got good pitching, you're going to do well. And it's just funny. And some of the pregame pressers Scotts has, I've paid attention to how he talks about Luis is just like, He's really excited as a former catcher. I'm sure he's really excited to have the kind of pitcher that Luis is on this club. Um, He's got great stuff. He's really exciting. And he's just really like, you watch some of the videos post game where like where those guys are celebrating, you see this big goofy grin on his face a lot of the time. So you can tell he's happy to be here um, and just hoping that, you know, we can, give him some damn run support yes. <laughs> um and do well behind him so that was like bell said it's about damn time mm-hmm. that that happened and jerry depoto said it too uh they had their press conference today but he said this before um that you know the there's a commitment to being a building a championship roster and you are gonna That's have true. a pitcher like luis on your team if you're gonna get to that sort of point anyway. So. Lesser news on the twenty fourth as well. Jake Lamb declined his outright assignment and will become a free agent. I don't really understand that. If he could have elected to just be outrighted to Tacoma, he could still be on a playoff team. But now, since he's become a free agent uh, and I think it's past the deadline, he can't be part of a playoff team.
2: You think there's some like saltiness? To I know.
1: That? <laughs> I mean, he contributed here and there, but I really, you know, he struggled and a lot of the outside of the Castillo deal. I didn't understand a lot of the trades Yeah, and like Matt Boyd's been solid, but lamb and Casali, I'm just like, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. So, um, again, he's a Husky and he went to, he went to Blanchett. I don't really, I went to O'Day, so I don't really feel very strongly about Blanchett, but he was a Husky. So I'm like, that's cool to see. He just didn't perform. Mm-hmm. And so at, at the time, you got to put the sentiment away. Um, but yes. So before I continue to league news, um, We've got, I had to write it down here. I have to apologize. My memory isn't the best. We're going to give away four Mariners tickets total uh, this upcoming homestand. Two to game 162 against the Tigers on October 5th. Unfortunately, that start time hasn't been announced yet. It still says TBD, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But that's considering that the Mariners and Tigers play a doubleheader the day before. And um, that's the last game of the regular season. So game 162 is October 5th. Two tickets to that. Lower bowl, I don't do, I don't do upper bowl. So there'll be lower bowl tickets. And then, yes, that's the Wednesday, October Mm -hmm. 5th. That's the last game of the regular season. We'll be on site for that. We're going to, we're going to be with you all homestand for this Mariners. You know, the closest they can clinch is Thursday. (sighs)
2: So
1: we're going to, trust me. You know, if you've been following us, how much this means to us, let alone the city. So we'll be with you all homestand. And then there are two tickets to game 159, October 2nd versus Oakland. That's a Sunday. So four total tickets. Uh, We'll have more official um, rules on that uh, within this upcoming week before those uh, games actually take place. But bottom line, you have to be following us on Circling Seattle Sports. Matt, oh, put me back. Yep. Um, Instagram, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, so you can be a part of that. We want to get people out into this building. Regardless of if you win these tickets or not, if you can make these games, please do so. There are several games where there are value tickets for $10. Pack the building. I mean, I know there was all the excitement of last year, but the team has a much better chance this year at making it. They don't have to rely on as much. They've put themselves in a better position compared to where they were this time last year. So. You're going to be want to be a part of something special. Mm-hmm. I just get emotional talking about it. Oh. We, won't, we won't do that. But four tickets to Game 159 on October 2nd versus the Athletics, and to to Game 162 against the Tigers on October 5th. Make sure you're following us on social media, Instagram, at Circling Seattle Sports, Twitter, at Circling Sports. If you put Circling Seattle Sports, though, you'll find us anyway. And Facebook, Circling Seattle Sports, as well as following us on Converge, obviously, here or on our YouTube, Circling Seattle Sports. All ways that you can find out about that. So uh, the only league notes, newts. League yes. notes is September 23rd. The Orioles are having a bank assess their sale of the team. Baltimore is bringing in Goldman Sachs to assess the club for a possible sale amid disputes in the Angelos family. So uh-huh. interesting to see that. Yeah. Um, so we look ahead for the Mariners this upcoming week of September 26th through what about September, No, October, pardon me, October 3rd. The Mariners play three games against the Texas Rangers. September 27th uh, and 28th are 6, no, pardon me, all three days, September 28th, 27th through 29th are 6.40 p.m. start times. September 30th versus the Athletics is a 6.40 start. October 1st and 2nd are both one ten p.m. first pitch time. So, again, I cannot express how important this homestand is. The closest that the team can clinch officially, their playoff berth, is the 29th. But they're still fighting to host playoff games. So that's what's most important here. It's gonna be a fun ride. So moving on, we will look over to our storm who there's not too much going on, but some of our players are yeah. over playing in World Cup games. So Bill, why don't we take a look at some of that and just like a little update?
2: Um, like you said, there are some of our players who are still remaining active in the offseason. So our Seattle Storm 2022 FIBA Women's World Cup update. Ezie Magbegore had her best game of the 2022 FIBA World Cup, scoring 16 points while adding seven rebounds, five blocks, and three steals to lead the host Australians to a huge 75-72 win over Canada, clinching a berth in the quarterfinal round. Moving on to Stephanie Talbot here. She flirted with a triple-double in the game as well, scoring 11 points while adding nine rebounds and eight assists. Um, We move on to France now with Gabby Williams. She scored a game-high 16 points on 8 of 15 shooting, adding three rebounds, two steals, and an assist. The United States scored the most points ever in a World Cup game, putting up 145 in a dominating win over Korea. Brianna Stewart had 18 of those points with three rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block, all in just 14 14 minutes. minutes of play. Oh, God. And can't forget about Joel Lloyd. Uh, she tallied four points with two assists in 14 minutes as well. The two teams were tied at 21-21 with three minutes and six seconds to go in the first quarter when the United States rattled off a 23-2 run over the in the next six minutes, then outscored them 77-29 in the second half to pull away. Um, group play wraps up tonight and tomorrow morning, but nothing but good news here about our Storm players. So
1: I mean Australia, France, and the US, right. US maybe a little bit more with that win. Yeah. All sort of dominating. And it is really like you were saying with the players in the offseason keeping busy, it's good to see that they're still on a high level and that you know like we we looked at last year last year, last, last week, week with the uh, sort of breakout candidates, ezzy and Gabby just continuing to play at a high level. It's good to see. And obviously would like to see both of those two back, uh, in storm colors next season.
2: Yes, I agree. And that about wraps up our storm segment for this week. So we will move on to our Seattle Sounders.
1: So not too much happening with our Sounders here as there's been, you know, with the world cup, it's a good talk about the international break. The Sounders dealing with an international break as well. Unfortunate news and in injury department on the September on the 23rd of September, uh, Sort of the third goalkeeper on the squad, Andrew Thomas, underwent surgery. Uh, the Sounders announced that the keeper underwent a successful minimally invasive back surgery, back stuff, oh, scary. Mm-hmm. Um, on Thursday, the 22nd in Seattle, Thomas began his rehabilitation immediately following the procedure. It has been out for over a month due to a lower back stress fracture. So good to know that that's been cleaned yeah. up. Um, Thomas, mainly with. Uh, the sort of minor league version of the Sounders, the Tacoma Defiance, unfortunately dealing with that injury, but good to know that successful and uh, back to rehabbing. So um, in other team related notes, on the 20th, it was announced that um, the World Football Summit announced that Sounders FC General Manager and President of Soccer Garth Lagerway has been named the winner of the Best Executive Award presented by Nolan Partners. Edging out fellow finalists Ivan Gazidis, the CEO of AC Milan, and Karen Brady, the vice chairman of West Ham United for the honor, which is uh, being presented at the World Football Summit Awards on September 28th in Spain. That's um, a little wild to think about, right, that an MLS general manager won executive award over in other clubs, just in general, because obviously with the MLS far behind you know clubs in in europe and and, and all that but to see that's been that was kind of like a whoa like i know that garth has been a big impact in building this club and seeing it through obviously winning ccl is a big deal purchasing participating in the club world cup will be big but i mean that's I know that with recency bias, people won't like may have sour opinions, considering how bad the Sounders have been as of late. But to see the group that Seattle's had that you know playoff run, the playoff streak, um, some of the turnarounds at the season, some of the value that they've got out of certain players—I mean—that speaks to a good GM. So to see that honored on a world stage, a literal world stage from the World Football Summit,
2: it's amazing. That's
1: pretty impressive. Uh, continuing with the sort of international talk on the 21st, it was announced that four additional Sounders were called up for international duty in addition to Jordan Morris with Team USA um, for the September window. And this is why there's this little break for the Sounders. Javier Ariaga for Ecuador, Nuhu for Cameroon, Alex Roldan for El Salvador, and Raul Ruiz Diaz for Peru. Unfortunately, with those last two, tried to get official word if Rui Diaz or Alex would be back for tomorrow's matchup against Cincinnati. And I don't think that they will be. It doesn't sound like Rui Diaz will be um, allowed to return for that. So you're missing a big defender and your striker. So that's Things get tougher. I mean, you can see the little banner below us. The Sounders really are facing a do or die situation. They'd effectively have to win out and then get some help from the outside to make the playoffs. So oh, the road doesn't get much easier, unfortunately. It's just kind of like, a, you know, what goes wrong now? What went wrong this time? So it's, it won't get any easier. But at the end of the day, the league won't feel sorry for you because mm-hmm. you're missing players Um I'm sure a lot of the West and just the MLS in general is kind of, you know, like I guess something I saw today was like Alabama fatigue. People get tired of certain teams winning. <laughs> I'm sure people right would there, be happy yeah. to see Seattle <laughs> out of it. So it's possible. It is possible, but it starts tomorrow, the 27th FC Cincinnati at 7 PM start. Seattle sits today, 12 win, 16 loss, three draw record 10th in the Western conference. Um, Four points out of a playoff. I believe it's the LA Galaxy who currently hold that spot. But you got to win out and then you need some help from the outside. So it'll, it won't be easy. But now we move over to what we talked about a little bit with Kraken preseason and training camp. Um, I kind of have to hijack this from you a little bit. What? Uh, a little <laughs> bit. We'll talk about training camp here. Um, training camp was fun uh to see it. there's a lot of new faces with this team there's not yeah. much like official team news for um he missed a lot of that we had a lot of team news I last did. week but there's no real moves going on um we do have some upcoming uh, we have three games over this upcoming week for preseason to look at so we'll look at that but before anything else i want to showcase some of the shots that live Lyons got for us yesterday at training camp um see here brandon tenev and oliver bjorkstrand bjorkstrand acquired from columbus in a sort of cap casualty trade because columbus signed one of the best wingers in free agency and johnny goudreau so seattle benefited from that getting a really solid winger um young maddie bennears here looking to win the calder trophy the rookie of the year equivalent in the nhl a guy all the talent in the world tallied nine points in ten games last year Martin Jones will be really important for this Kraken team. The new backup with Chris Jeger having torn his ACL uh, over the past month, not month, pardon me, past offseason, backing up Philip Grubauer. He's had his uh, rough last few seasons, but looking to turn it around as the Kraken having a new uh, goalkeeper coach. But, I mean, Liv's like, this is my first time shooting hockey. And then you see this, some of this stuff is like, the quality is up there with what I saw from photographers throughout the inaugural season last year. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, you like you guys, Matt, the photographers are all very modest. You're all, oh, I don't think it's-, it's not
2: my best work. I'm like,
1: man, <laughs> you know, as, as said in the uh, latest blog post relating to Circling Seattle Sports, um, we've got a really talented group uh, photographers that help elevate what you and I do. Yeah. So it's, oh, I'm always amazed, but bottom line, I, I'll get, a, I'll get out of your segment here. i let you. you do your,
2: I'm just kidding. <laughs> um,
1: this, this team should be, I don't say they're going to be in the, there won't be in the basement and I'm not going to guarantee playoffs, but Uh-oh. they will win more games than they did last year. That's good. More scoring. Um, we brought in some solid veterans, new goalkeeper coach, um, it's a lot of fun. Hockey's fun, especially when the dude dudes can fight and it's legal. That's, that's fine.
2: Come on. <laughs> Legal fines.
1: But I'll let you get to some mm-hmm. some other stuff here with your your segment. All
2: we have is league news. So like you mentioned, three games coming up this week. We'll definitely have more next week. But September 20th news. that all falls on September 20th. Um, three NHL legends announced their retirement. So Keith Yandel retires. He holds the consecutive games played record at 989.
1: Um, PK. I'm going to ask where you have with
2: the last name uh, Subin. Uh, that's what I thought. Subin. Subin retires. He's 13 season veteran, 2013 Norris Trophy winner.
1: Subin, is, I'll just say right now, Subin's one of the, you know, with the NHL, Everett, Fitz, you and I talked about this, one of the few uh, black players in the NHL. And I mean, 13 years as a black man in the NHL and to win the Norris Trophy, he had an impressive career. So I, you know, I know that. Talking with Everett about it, you know, the few black players that he saw growing up were an inspiration to him. I can only imagine that Subin was an inspiration to many, and I hope that uh, many take after what yeah. he did and just a happy retirement to those two. And then
2: and the last Chara here, one here, who retired.
1: D- I mean, look at the name, look at the 989 consecutive games. <laughs> I and then know. was the Dino Ochara, 224 seasons. Yeah. That's longer than I've been alive. Yes.
2: That's our third Zdeněk Otařa, um, twenty four seasons played, set record for most games. at defenseman? Twenty four seasons. That's uh, yeah, that's a toll on your body. That's most of your <laughs> life.
1: That's long, age longer me. than I've li- been alive. This
2: no, a that's a lot, of, that's lot of time
1: on the ice. Yes, yes. Yeah.
2: So like you said, happy retirement to all three of these guys. Um, and then that about wraps it up. We'll look ahead here. September 26th versus the Edmonton Oilers. That's a 7 p.m. start. The 27th versus the Calgary Flames. And that's also a 7 p.m. start. And then on the 29th at the Vancouver Canucks for a 6.30 p.m. start.
1: Hockey's back. Hockey back. Okay, yay! Surely. First
2: game. First preseason game today. That's exciting.
1: Maybe preseason, but... I'll take it yeah take it. uh we look over here and i'm sorry for hijacking your segment we look over here to our old rain here who i know we're talking about it last week they were facing a three-game road trip a tough three-game road trip uh to essentially head you into the final stretch of the regular season and they came out out of nine total points possible they came out with nine I'd, I will admit, I didn't fully expect it. I expected maybe a draw here or there, but they came and they took care of business. So September 20th at New York, New Jersey, Gotham, a one to nothing win. So they squeezed that one by, it was a close one. Um, Player of the game forward, Megan Rapinoe. We talked about Megan, an 8.4 match rating, one goal, two chances created and three total shots. This was off of a set piece. And Megan continues to be a really big contributor in these big moments and continues to help the rain in, in a form. I don't know if we've seen it in her club uh her club career. This has really helped push this team and it's just amazing contribution. Yeah. Um towards the end of the season. You know, I, I remember at the end of well at some point last year, uh my uncle goes, I think Jess Fishlock's a little long in the tooth, meaning I think she's a little old. Jess Fishlock wins MVP. I know that you and I, I think, have had discussions. Maybe Megan retires since Sue's retired this yeah.
2: year. Yeah, look at her I, now. I,
1: you know, um, and I don't. I think we've talked about it before, but I don't think Megan plans to retire this year. Um, but we look over to the final game of three uh, on the road. So the first two games, you know, that the team played, North Carolina and Gotham. You know, those teams are. They've got their talent, but they're not as good as Houston. Houston near the top of the table for a bit. Houston handing the rain their first loss at home this year late into the season. Um, and so it's, it's a good test. Houston was out there, Beth without their best player, Ebony Salmon, but still, it's a good club. It's a good test for you to round out the road trip. And the Rain won in a little bit of a surprising fashion, two to nothing. Player of the game forward Veronica Latsko, an 8.2 match rating, one goal, three total shots, one chance created. Latsko scores her first NWSL regular Ooh. season goal. Um, yes, I believe it's regular season goal. I think it's eighth overall. Um, a two to nothing win. Again, this was like... I did not expect you to win like that against Houston, shut out Houston. And I, I don't know. I was just pretty taken aback because in the rain have had their struggles, just putting away chances. They've had frustrating losses, frustrating ties. I mean, we look at their ties. They've got like seven on the year. Yeah. Um, if they take away some of those um, or even make some of those, a couple of those losses ties, I mean, they'd have yeah. the one seed, and they probably wouldn't have to worry about it and win the NWSL shield. But so the rain remain undefeated in their last six road games, outscoring their hosts 11 to five in those meetings, Finished that road trip with uh three, uh, three game a week with nine points. The only team to accomplish that sort of feat this season, uh, the match, it was weird because the rain, they've got a lot of talent and they move it around the Uh, Starting 11 that you saw against Houston was the 20th difference starting 11 in 21 games. So it's a lot of moving around. Um, Bethany Balser scored the first goal uh, in the 29th minute against Houston. Now six tied with Megan Rapinoe for the most on the team. But since for Balser, since entering the league in 2019, the year she won Rookie of the Year, the 25-year-old has 21 goals all time in the regular season, which is second in the league. There's a lot of star power on this team, and I don't know if there's a better time to do it, but I talked about with ticket giveaways. We're not done with those four manners tickets. Two tickets to this uh, Saturday is the first, I believe, right? Yes. Saturday against the Orlando Pride. This is the final regular season game. The Rain had the chance to win the NWSL Shield, which is basically given to the team who has the most points at the end of the year. They've clinched a playoff berth with that win against Houston. They clinch a playoff berth, so they're making the playoffs no matter yeah. what. So they're the first team amongst the sort of three that we've been looking at over the past few weeks since the storm were eliminated that have needed to clinch. You know, Mariners, Sounders, Rain. Um, and there's there's world class talent in this team. I know when they had their press conference to announce that they were moving to Lewin Field, they said world class talent and a world class facility. facility yeah. And it's been true the entire year. Megan Rapino, a lot of people know the rain because of Megan Rapinoe. Megan's been living up to that. You know, you've got, we could go over the roster. We'd be here forever though. Yeah. Um, but I, it's just been really impressive to watch this all take place. Um, and
2: you can too. With yes, you can too. Away. Yes.
1: Okay. Sorry. Let me go over it again. Let me recenter. <laughs> so two tickets to the game on the 1st of October against the Orlando Pride. I'm going to make sure. That's lower bowl, obviously, but there's some tickets in, like, the third row. So, going to look at that. Um, but, yeah, so two tickets to the rain game uh, against the Orlando Pride on October 1st. It's the fan appreciation match, I believe, as well, um, with a 7 o'clock start. So, if you don't want to go to the Mariners game, you don't care. The rain play at 7 o'clock that night. Their traffic will be gone by then. Um, well, I know that, yeah, there was some traffic woes this past week, so I don't want to jinx (laughs) that thing. But no, I mean, Laura Harvey and the club itself have already encouraged people to get out and buy tickets to this game. They're not expensive. If you're worried about the tickets, they're not expensive. You can get tickets for as low as 20 bucks, which is pretty decent for the talent that you're watching on the field. Um, And we'll be giving away too anyway. So Mm -hmm. again, just like with the Mariners, make sure you're following us. Instagram at circling Seattle sports, Twitter at circling sports, Facebook, or like Matt has just dropped it. um, Facebook, circling Seattle sports um, to be able to see how that's all going to go down, but I'll probably just make it, make sure you're following us and we'll go from there. Um, So yeah, that was a really impressive road trip. And so the rain now sit at second in the NWSL table. They're a first after the win against Houston, but Portland won. So now they've jumped up to first point being is that the rain can win the NWSL shield and that can become official, um, I believe against Orlando. So again, they're making the playoffs regardless. You don't have to be on the edge of your seat on Saturday (laughs) worrying about that. Um, So that's, yes, it's very exciting. Uh, We look at injury reports against Gotham and Houston. They're the same. They're all the season ending injury players, Angelina, Tobin Heath, Sinclair Miramontes, Jody O'Kekal, all season ending injuries. So Outside of those, relatively clean, which is good to see. On the 20th against Gotham, two players hit some milestones. Uh, Sofia Huerta hit 150 regular season appearances. So congratulations to Sofia on that. And then the same day, Quinn hit 50 regular season appearances. So congratulations to Quinn on that as well. We look over to a little bit of league related news here on the 19th. Uh, The San Diego Wave thrashed the previous NWSL regular season attendance record. San Diego welcomes 32,000 people uh, to their match against Angel City, the largest crowd in NWSL history, showing the strides that the league is making. So that's it's I've talked about it before, and I know that there's like the West Coast rivalry a little bit. They're an expansion team. You got to build a rivalry, but (laughs) it's really exciting to just see what this does for the league see these sort of crowds that they're drawing and just how impressive that has been so that's that's really cool to see and hoping to see that sort of thing change. throughout the league. So uh, with team record and standings, the Reigns sit at 10 wins, four losses, seven draws on the year, Uh, 37 points. They have secured a playoff berth. They're second in the NWSL table, one point behind Portland for first. Looking ahead, as mentioned several times, uh, their next match is October 1st versus the Orlando Pride with a 7 p.m. start. I know it says one. I hit the wrong button. I apologize. It's a 7 p.m. start against Orlando at Lumen Field. You've got the chance Two tickets we're going to give away for that so you can be there in person. So this is normally where we go to Seattle Star of the Week.
2: But
1: there's a good amount of Seawolves news to look over. (laughs) So, Bill, why don't we look at, I mean, it feels like they're trying to retool the roster a little bit. It
2: does, yeah. Um, We have quite a bit of roster moves here. So on September 16th, Travis Larson was traded to the Toronto Arrows for salary cap relief. Larson Grew up in New Zealand and began his rugby career there. The dual nationality player for Canada and New Zealand alike has been a member of the Canada A-side and full-time training environment for many years, just shy of the 2019 Rugby Canada World Cup squad. On the 21st, Brad Tucker is traded to Rugby New York for salary cap relief. Tucker boasts a lengthy resume of experience from multiple New Zealand sides. On the 22nd, the team signs hooker Peter Malcolm to a three-year deal. Malcolm is an experienced addition to the Seawolves front row with 41 MLR appearances to his name. Malcolm flourished through the USA age-grade pathway starting with the USU U-20s, selected as a collegiate All-American three times, captain the USA selects, and has represented the Eagles on the senior stage 11 times. On the 23rd, a couple of moves here. Hooker Sean McNulty released, acquired via trade with the LA Guiltinis five months ago for cash considerations, and Locke Ben Mitchell signed to a three-year deal as well. Mitchell is a MLR original, already surpassing 50 appearances after consistent selections with Austin in 2018-2019 and San Diego in 2020-2022, respectively. The lock was brought into the USA selects in 2021 after growth in MLR, including all MLR first team in 2018 and second team in 2019 selections. That was a mouthful. Yeah,
1: (laughs) a few mouthfuls. It's just looking at some of the um, accolades for uh, Malcolm and Mitchell. Someone Mm -hmm. made the point, uh, James Malcolm, his brother, played with Seattle last year. So maybe we see the brothers. Um, a A lot of... Accolades for Malcolm and Mitchell, the two M's there, I guess. But it's really <laughs> interesting to see that you know with uh, Tucker and Larson and Mcnulty traded for. Um, well, Mcnulty was re- released. I think some. It was tough to read the uh, media. I think Mcnulty was traded to acquire Mitchell, and then Mitchell signed a three-year deal. Ah, it was a little sense. bit confusing. Okay. Um, it was like a sign and trade kind yeah, of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but. With Tucker and Larson, you trade for salary cap relief and then you use that relief to sign, to give Malcolm and Mitchell that money. It's really interesting because again, this is a Seawolves team that, like we said during the playoff run, it doesn't really matter to me how far they go because they got in, they had a good year, they had a better year than they had the last two years. Yeah, It seems like they want to build off of that success with some veterans and just kind of reload as opposed to anything else. So it's, I don't know. The acquisition of Mitchell kind of excited me more than Malcolm because, well, no, both of them are really exciting (laughs) to me just because of their veteran pedigree. But I don't know. I'll I'll be interested to see how that plays out. And it just, again, it seems like more of a reload kind of thing, uh, kind of bolster that roster here. You'll be without record heading for sort of the orderly part of it because of the uh, suspension. But, you know, over the course of a decently long season, I think you'll – I think these guys will really help some of the younger guys get better as well as just have more of a, I just, I think it's a better group than what you've got considering um, as the team added players throughout the season and now adding in the off season. So solid, uh, solid that we can finally get some Seawolves yeah. news.
2: And a solid roster there for the Seawolves. So excited to see what they can do this season. Um, That about wraps up our Seawolves so for now. Um, we move on to Seattle Star of the Week. And I piggybacked off of you. <laughs> I'm sure you noticed, but it's so hard not to when it feels like the old Elk rain are just like getting hot at the right time.
1: And that we've talked about that mm-hmm. for so many Seven teams, <laughs> whether it's the Storm or the Mariners, hopefully, or the Sounders. But yes, the rain are our unanimous stars of the week. I mean, that road trip was big to get all of those points. You know, again, I think we talked about it after the comeback against Angel City. There are certain games where, at least to me, whether that's whatever league it is, NFL, MLB, Mm -hmm. certain games tell you this team has what it takes to reach a championship, let alone win it. And, you know, that Angel City match made me feel that way. This Houston match kind of shows to me, you know, that you can do the same so you know you've got a lot of talent obviously losing tobin uh sucks as it felt like she was kind of coming along as a veteran um miramont is defensively losing that depth is bad angelina has been a creative midfielder and just been really solid as an attacker losing her early in the year sucked as well but it just seems like as we talked about with megan uh you've uh got some people on hot streaks right now you've got the veteran leadership you've got talent from all over whether it's rookies contributing to players like megan um it just feels like the right time so i absolutely have, have to one more match to deal with um after they come home here but seems like they're they're hitting a decent amount of stride yeah. here and it, it was considering the struggles with the first two teams that we covered: the stormer in the offseason, the sounders had an off week cracking like training cramp um kind of seemed like a really obvious selection anyway yeah so
2: i tried to really funneling it and trying to find that actual star just individual um and i could have very well picked megan rapino for how well she's doing um but it really just it didn't feel fair to give all of the credit to one person when like you said the talent level is so high on the team
1: yeah hard to disagree with that but just really exciting to see the form that they're on and that they're the first of the last, the currently three active teams. Yes. Three act. Well, technically four now with the Kraken starting up but yeah. to make their playoffs. So we'll be exciting for that as well. Obviously we talk about the Mariners homestand, but we'll obviously be there for every rain match as well. And we encourage you to be, uh, to do the same, whether it's, you win our tickets that we're going to have available or that you go and actually support these women in general. If you talk about supporting women in sports, show up to the games. That's all I gotta say about it. So with that being said, I try I only use that like two times this episode, I know, right? Good job. Yay. <laughs> Shut up, Matt. Um we will wrap up as we're approaching the final week of September. We're gonna be in October. We're gonna be in October. How bizarre Spooky does that feel? Already? Oh, boy, are we going to have like <laughs> Halloween decorations in here? Is that what we're going to do? Hopefully, the, the rain can be spooky in the playoffs. No, good one. <laughs> uh, Our Seahawks look to Detroit heading on the road uh, for their week four matchup. The Mariners have a I cannot stress how important that homestand is yes. the storm. I mean, we'll continue to keep up with the World Cup updates from our storm players. The Sounders face a big test in Cincinnati, which they will effectively, I keep saying it every week, is a must win.
2: But they really are. <laughs>
1: um, the Kraken play three preseason games, so we'll have some updates for you and some scores there. The Rain have a uh, final regular season match of the, final match of the regular season, sorry, to play. And the CEOs CL, may make, make some more, some more, some more noise. So we'll keep you on that. Regardless, make sure you're following us on social media for that news. If you want to be updated, I mean, there's nobody doing it like Bell and I. At least reporter-wise, photographer-wise, that's their credit. I'm not gonna <laughs> take their credit. Um, we've got some of the best photographers. I broke my pen in the country, let alone the city. Um, and there's nobody covering it like us. And you can learn some tickets as well. So uh, until we see you this upcoming Monday on the 3rd of October, make sure you're following us on social media to get more updates on those tickets and how you can win those as well as making sure that you do everything you can to make today a great day.